Christos Anesti, Aletheos Anesti, Christ is risen, Alleluia, He is risen indeed, Alleluia. Resurrection blessings to all of you on this Sunday of Sundays. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. Alleluia. This Sunday, Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, celebrates an entirely new possibility for human living, the hope of a transformation to live the divinity of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the risen Jesus breathes on his church, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on this most holy and glorious day, Easter, the first Sunday. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is a revered doctor of the Church, St. Peter Chrysologus, who died in the year 450. As Archbishop of Ravenna, he was a zealous pastor and gifted preacher who contributed significant insights to the Nicene-Constantinopolean Creed, defending the true divinity and true humanity of the divine person Jesus. And now, from St. Peter Chrysologus, an excerpt from his third sermon on the resurrection of Jesus, Sermon 76. In the previous sermon, we said that Mary and the other Mary prefigured the church coming from two peoples. We desire to confirm this today from what follows, provided that you give us a favorable hearing. The angel, it says, said in response, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are seeking Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Come and see the place where the Lord had been laid. The angel first mentions the name, tells of the cross, speaks of the passion, acknowledges the death, but next professes the resurrection and then professes the Lord. And thus, the angel identifies him as his Lord after such great tortures and after the tomb. He speaks of his condition of servitude and realizes that all the dishonor of the passion has been transformed into all the glory of the resurrection. Why, then, does the human being judge 
that God has been diminished in the flesh, or think that his power became deficient in the passion, or believe that his sovereignty was wasted away by his condition as a servant. Rightly does he say that he was crucified. Rightly does he show the place where the Lord had been laid, lest it be believed that it was someone else and not he himself, one and the same, who rose from the dead. And if the Lord returns with the same flesh, brings back his wounds, still bears the very holes from the nails, and makes these pieces of evidence, which had been indignities inflicted on his body in the Passion, into proofs of his resurrection. Why does the human being think that he will return in someone else's flesh rather than his own? Or is it perhaps that the servant disdains his own flesh when the Lord did not change ours? Be content, O man, that you will be yourself in your own flesh, lest you not be yourself if you rise in flesh that is not yours. The angel added, Go and tell his disciples that he has risen and will go ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. The angel here is not sending women, but sending the one church in the two women. He sends her in order by sending her to spread her far and wide. The angel here is sending the bride to the bridegroom. And so the Lord met them as they were going and greeted them. Hello! He met them and did not terrify them with his power, but came before them with burning charity. He did not disturb them with his might, but he greeted them. He subjects them to the laws of betrothal and not to his sovereign majesty. But he honors them with a spouse's love. He greets them. Hello. He had said to his disciples, Greet no one along the way. And why is it that he comes upon them and greets them here so hastily along the way. He does not wait to be identified. He does not seek to be recognized. He does not permit any questions, but he comes forward solely to greet them. He comes forward impetuously, and he himself abolishes his own mandate by his greeting. He did it, yes, he did it, because the power of love conquers and surpasses all. As soon as Christ greets himself in his church, he has made it thus become his flesh. He has thus taken it to be his body, as the apostle says, and he is head of the body, the church. 
In fact, the very reality shows clearly that in these women, the church is perfectly prefigured. Since Christ convinces his disciples in their hesitancy about the resurrection, he strengthens them in their anxiety by showing them his side and the nail marks. And by his consumption of food, he calls them back to faith, but only with difficulty. For this reason, it was appropriate for him to call the little ones deficient in faith children when he said, Children, do you have anything to eat? And elsewhere, he calls Mary, who was herself weeping as if for a dead man, woman, and does not give her permission to touch him. But he finds them so perfected, so full of trust, so lacking in anxiety for women, but hastening to the mystery, seeking their Lord with such complete and ardent faith that he lets himself be held by them, and he greets them with, Hello, that is, have me for yourselves. The angel had said, That you are seeking Jesus the crucified. And Christ responded to them in their search, Hello. However, elsewhere, Mary was not allowed to touch him. Here it was permitted to them not only to touch, but even to embrace him completely. But they came up, it says, and held his feet. They hold Christ's feet, whose haste makes them a type, and deservedly so, of the preaching of the gospel in the church. And by their faith, they touch the footsteps of their Savior to such an extent that they attain to the glory and reach the honor of the whole deity. But it is right that she hears, Do not touch me, since she weeps on earth for the Lord and looks for his corpse in the tomb, to such an extent that she does not know that he is reigning in heaven with the Father. Do not touch me, that is, do not pay homage with the touch of your flesh to the one whom you ought to have touched with the touch of faith. And do not presume to touch him on earth as if he were only a man, since you do not yet have the wisdom to adore him as God in heaven. Let the woman's concern cease. Let feminine solicitude desist. Let manly belief come into your mind. Let the breath of your heart grasp my ascension, so that you may enjoy completely the blessedness of touching me eternally in heaven, according to the words of the prophet, Blessed is the man whose help is from you. Lord, in his heart is the ascent to you. The one on earth 
who does not ascend by faith to Christ in heaven does not touch Christ with his hand. And so, one and the same Mary is at one moment established on the summit of faith, raised aloft on the pinnacle of the church, and touches and holds Christ with complete and holy affection. At another moment she is brought low, and is wavering on account of the weakness of the flesh, and is not worthy to touch her Creator. This causes no difficulty, since she is the former as symbol. The former comes from divine glory, the latter from human nature. Because likewise for us, when we know divine things, it is a gift from God. When we are humanly wise, we are blinded from our own devices. Thus is Peter blessed, while he recognizes Christ as the Son of God by the revelation of the Father. But when he denies Christ, he experiences and suffers the blindness of the flesh. Meanwhile, the Jews either wickedly buy their crimes, or even worse, they sell someone else's while setting a price on sins, paying out money in compensation for offenses, and pouring out in wicked deeds what they gathered with all wickedness. So they procure Judas as the betrayer of the Lord, and they settle on a price for the blood of the Redeemer of the world. So with a purse, they seal off faith in the open tomb as to purchase with cash acquired by sins the sin of denying the resurrection. They gave the soldier, it says, a large sum of money and said, Say that his disciples came at night and stole him while we were asleep. And if the governor hears about it, we shall persuade him and keep you safe. And they took the money and did as they had been taught. And that is the very story spread to this very day. Among the Jews, but not among the Christians. What were you trying to conceal in Judea with gold has shown and radiated throughout the whole world by faith? The disciples received Christ. They did not steal him. You have procured unbelief, but you have not stolen the truth. Christ has risen. St. Peter Chrysologus, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, who on this day, through your only begotten Son, have conquered death, and unlock for us the path to eternity, grant, we pray, that we who keep the solemnity of the Lord's resurrection may, through the renewal brought by your Spirit, rise up in the light of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, 
God forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia.